basketball, basketball college. Basketball, basketball college. Oh, basketball college. Basketball, basketball college. Basketball, basketball college. Welcome in to another episode of Hope and Ralph presented by Heat Check CBB, your number one source for all things basketball, basketball college. I'm your host, Brian Ralph. Happy to be back. Join as always with my co-host, Connor Hope. Uh, Connor, I know it's been a little bit. How are you doing, man? Doing well. Um, we It's like less than a month now until <laughs> the We're season starts. Our, uh, our, our preseason preview magazine from Heat Check came out last week so that's exciting um anything I, if you're listening to this and you have not checked it out yet it is a 124 page season preview magazine from all of us at Heat cbb has everything that i think you could possibly want to know about the upcoming season it is the perfect primer to get you ready again you can check it out on heatchecksbb.com absolutely it is uh less as i pointed out this morning it's less than the cost of the normal uh, spicy chicken deluxe meal from Chick-fil-A. So it, it'll cost you one Chick-fil-A lunch, um, which I think everyone can give up to have uh, good good knowledge from from all the writers at eCheck uh, about uh, the teams that we think are going to get into the Just chalk tournament. it up as your, as your Sunday chicken sandwich, you know? Yeah. The one that you're not going to be able to get anyway. There you go. There you go. Well, we're recording this Monday night. Uh, part of the reason uh, we wanted to bring this to you as soon as we could is the AP poll was finally released. The preseason poll um, about three weeks out from the start of the season. No real surprise at number one, Gonzaga uh, returns to the top. They've, even though they lost now championship game, they've really been number one for two years now, two and a half years, uh, maintaining their spot top of the polls just run through the the top little bit here ucla somewhat surprisingly checked in at number two followed by kansas at three villanova also somewhat surprisingly at four uh, with texas rounding out the top five looking at this group were there any major surprises to you i think the biggest surprise is probably villanova um Mm -hmm. whether it's because you are like me and you think that the march run was closer to, to what UCLA probably was than their February uh, slide. Um, I think them being in the top five isn't much of a, of a surprise. I'm surprised Villanova was in there over Michigan uh, or Kentucky yeah. or even Duke. I, I think that just goes to show you the respect that Jay Wright has um, the respect that uh, their their seniors and, and their experienced roster has um, from the, the college basketball writers. And, uh, but, you know, as far as the top five goes, I, I'm not really going to complain. Um, I think the top 10 is probably more or less, you know, understandable. Um, if not, you know, if I don't agree with everyone at the back end of the top 10, um, but uh, yeah, not not really a ton of surprises um, in the top five. The biggest one for me would probably be Villanova at that number four spot. Yeah, uh, we're, we're poking some holes here because I think we both think UCLA and Villanova are really good teams. We both have them in the bottom half of our top tens, 
which is why I think having UCLA at two is a little bit more shocking because they're at three in my top 10. So it's not as shocking to me. That's oh, okay. Well, that's you. I I think, you know, there is a a pretty big difference between being number two and being number seven or eight or nine. That's anywhere from five to seven spots. Yeah. And UCLA is a good team. I, I tend to be with you in the fact that there are not going to be the exact team playing at the exact level we saw during their March run last year. That was Johnny Juzang, Jaime Jaquez, Tiger Campbell playing the best and most efficient basketball that all of them have played in their careers, respectively. Right. And they happen to all do so at the same time. They're, they're bringing in Miles Johnson from Rutgers who's going to shore up a lot of their rebounding room protection issues from last year. So they're going to be a good team. Like Juzang, even though he he was playing out of his mind. Still a really good player. Tiger Campbell, really good player. Hami Hakez, really good player. But there's a difference between being really good and potentially being great. Uh, and to me, that's where I, I have Villanova and UCLA outside the top five. It, we talked a little about this in, in our previews, is that I consider both those teams in that second tier, that really good tier, but not the tier of title favorites. Right. To me, that's Gonzaga, Kansas, Michigan, Texas, and I'll throw Kentucky in there as well. Right. To me, that, yeah. that's a that's the a reason- clear that's a clear top group. And I get UCLA and Vanova being in there from an AP perspective because they are both returning an insane amount of production. And so they're safe bets, but the upside isn't there. Yeah, no, I, I I understand that. And the reason why I had them at three, um, I think both of you and I agree that the clear top two right now for us is Gonzaga and Kansas. By far. Outside of that group, the team that we have a clear understanding on what their ceiling could be, the clearest understanding on what their ceiling could be is UCLA out of that next group of eight. Every other team has players there that they're losing, players that they're adding. UCLA brings everyone back from a team that outside of that February slide – if they don't, if say they win five games in a row, say they win three of them, right? We're talking about a different UCLA outlook, um, assuming they go on that, that final four run. Every other team is a new team outside of UCLA. And I think that's where they're getting that almost, I mean, Purdue, I guess, is not a new team. Purdue is just, they're, they're this year's Iowa um, mm. where they bring everyone back from a back end of the top 25 team and we're expecting a big jump. But UCLA brings everyone back from a final four run. They had a top 20, 25 freshman. They had one of the best transfers in the country and they're bringing it all back. Whether they're closer to February or, um, or March mm-hmm. or somewhere like what they were doing in, in November – we don't know, but I think that their ceiling at least is final four. Everyone knows it. Everyone's seen it. Where the other teams, you you could have your question marks about Kentucky and Texas bringing together a bunch of players from not so great teams to go come play for them and try and be contenders. You can have your questions about Duke bringing everyone or bringing a bunch of top freshmen in or mm-hmm. Baylor losing their core four from last year. Um, and so you, you have to play around with it. I think UCLA, at least from the outlook of what they could be and that ceiling is, is the clearest, which is why I have them at three. And I think why the AP has them at two. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm surprised UCLA got 
first place votes and Kansas didn't. Yes. But uh, I'm not surprised they're a top five team because I think they have the fewest question marks in terms of how their rotation, well, maybe not how their rotations are going to be, but fewest question marks in terms of that ceiling. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, it just it just comes down to uh, we have seen it, and you're right about that. My question is, can they sustain it? Um, yeah. And it's kind of weird, partially because they've done it. I don't think I don't think they can. <laughs> like they they played nearly perfect during that run, and the additions that they've made and some of the experience that they've gained just going into another season is going to decrease that that gap between who they are on an average basis versus how they play during that run. Like that's that's they're going to trend more towards that's who they are, but they're not there. Like there's going to be a regression to the mean of some kind, even though that mean is higher than what their mean was last year. No, absolutely. Um, but it all, it all comes down to, for me, they have a point guard. I trust. Yeah. They have a score or two that I trust to make those shots down the stretch in games. And they that's have fair. a group of solid front court players. So um, I'm not fair. worried about UCLA. I think they're, Two, two might be a bit high. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go out all out with a lot of the other people saying that they're wildly overrated because of the March run. Um, but I, I do think that they're, to put it into perspective, I think that they are, of these 10 teams in the top 25, third or fourth in terms of the, the least likely to be outside the top 25 at any point this year. Yeah, that's fair to the Dukes and the Kentuckys and the even the Purdue's, right? Mm-hmm. But let's let's round out the rest of that top ten. Michigan checked in at six, followed by Purdue at seven. The top two Big Ten teams there at six and seven. Defending champion Baylor at eight, and then Duke and Kentucky rounding it out at nine and ten. Touch on a little bit about the question marks. Really, most of these teams are facing big question marks, uh, but Purdue is another team that returns just about everybody from last season. Um, I think the questions around their future, though, are a little bit more warranted because they bring everybody back, which means the weaknesses that played them last year also figure to be back. Yeah, they they are. I, I kind of mentioned they are like last year's Iowa. Mm-hmm. The big difference is they don't have the national player of the year favorite. Um, and Ivy's not the national player of the year favorite. <laughs> And and Iowa, their weakness was defense, and but they could kill you on offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, ab- I mean, absolutely light up the scoreboard to the point where the defense didn't matter. Purdue's defense isn't necessarily quite at that level that Iowa's offense was at, where their shooting woes can be overcome on an everyday basis. I, I have Purdue towards the back end of my top 10, I believe. Um, I, I think that they will make it. I have more confidence that both ends of the floor will at least be top 25, top 15 caliber. Um, but, I mean, just like Iowa, we're expecting a lot to happen. Mm-hmm. And if some, I mean, granted, Purdue does bring in some key freshmen um, that'll that'll kind of supplement some of their, mm-hmm. their issues on offense. But if some of those things happen, if Jaden Ivey is not an all big 10 second team, first team caliber player, 
Um, if they can't figure out how to have an effective rotation between Zach Eady and Trevion Williams, like yeah. if those things just don't happen, we're talking about a team that's probably still top 25, but not at this, you know, final four caliber right. expectations that their fans have. Looking at the team at the team from last year. Yeah. I, I think that floor is one of the highest in the country, which I think is what we're seeing reflected in that number seven ranking. I don't think their ceiling is as high as like Kentucky at 10. We talked about they bring in a ton of transfers, another good recruiting class. Um, we've talked plenty of times on this podcast this offseason about how uh, at least I think those transfers are going to mesh really well together. Uh, and we both think have raised the expectation for Kentucky uh, have them as a looking like a final four caliber team. Uh, it was a little shocking to me to see them at 10 when Texas got a bump up to number five, considering they're both very similar from the fact that there are some return, there's returning core pieces, really, really awesome transfer classes, freshmen that are going to play a role. Like I, I like, I look at Texas got a big jump in that regard going up to number five and Kentucky is being treated a little bit differently being stuck at 10 when I might, I, I think I favor Kentucky over Texas because of the way that, that those pieces fit together. Um, that was a bit curious to me there. Uh, I don't have any huge issues really with any of these teams, but that was something interesting I saw looking at this. Yeah. I, I think a lot of it has to do with um, what Texas adds in terms of name value That's of right. some of the additions that they have is a little, I mean, when I mean, you're going down the list of, of Kentucky, Oscar Chibway is definitely a name that everyone will recognize. He's going to be a, mm-hmm. a very solid interior low post player. Do we know what Kellen Grady we're going to get? Do we know, you know, what, what's going to happen is, is um, Toppin going to be who Kentucky fans think he's going to be? Is he going to be in the background? Do we, you know, is CJ Frederick going to take that next step from role shooter to, to something a little bit more? Um, whereas with, with Texas, like, you know, Marcus Carr is going to be a star in the yes. big 12. Yes. Um, you know what Christian Bishop can do mm-hmm. um, at a tournament level. There's a, there's a couple of other questions, right? Is Trey, again, is Trey Mitchell going to be, able to step up in competition and, and perform at the, at the same level. Um, is Timmy Allen finally going to put together a full season? Is he good? Good. I mean, I think he is, but like, there's legitimate questions about that. Right. Um, which is where like, I think, I think name value has a lot to do with it. Um, and not relying on those freshmen because Kentucky is going to have to rely on some of their freshmen heavily where Texas yeah. could not play a freshman the entire season and still be a top 10 team. That's fair. Yeah. I just, you know, I think part of it too is the addition of Chris Beard as well. I think that gives Texas an extra aspect of notoriety mm-hmm. and, you know, let's face it after last year, there are some questions about Calipari's, not from us or from anybody who necessarily has a, a brain, but some questions about his viability and if he's lost it, right? If he's lost his touch with, with how bad last season was. Oh, for sure. If, if Kentucky and Duke were even, even just round of 32 teams, like if they went to the tournament and won a game last year 
and had the rosters that they have coming in, guarantee you they're yeah. top five, top six teams. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I mentioned I don't really have an issue with any of, of those. I think that's a solid top 10. I do have an issue with number 11. Uh, next five, Illinois checked in at 11, Memphis at 12, Oregon, Alabama, and Houston at 13, 14, and 15, respectively. Um, I don't get all of the Illinois love and hype. This is another example of a team I think is going to be a good team, a fringe top 25 team that's going to, I think, bounce in and out of the rankings all season long, make the NSA tournament no problem. But when Kofi Coburn decided to come back, suddenly they jumped from a you know top 40 team to top 10, top 15 in this many people's polls because he was coming back. And again, Coburn is one of three All-Americans from last season's All-American team that are going to be back in, in uh, playing basketball. The other two, Drew Timmy, Gonzaga should be the preseason national player of the year, and Hunter Dickinson at Michigan. It's a huge addition. He's going to be awesome. Andre Curbelo is going to be really good as well, stepping in to replace Ayo Sumu. But Illinois has to replace Ayo Sumu. Like he was a first team All American. That's not something that, that's easy to replace. And Curbelo can be a all Big Ten caliber point guard this year. I think even in best case scenario, he is a like third team All American kind of guy. Best case scenario, he has that in him. He was excellent as a freshman, could take things a step forward as a sophomore. What made Illinois so special last year, though, was that you had Curbelo coming in as that third guy off the bench. You had 40 minutes of quality point guard play across the board with him and Osumo. And I, th- I think it's important to remember too, Illinois last year, I, I was on the table for how good I thought they were last year. They did start nine and five and didn't have a, a ton of quality wins, at least consistently quality play. Then ripped off the rest of the season, won 15 of the last 17 games. Last one, of, of course, being the loss of Chicago in that stretch though, Seven of those 15 wins came by seven points or less. Came down really close, to, really, really cl- came down to the very end of the games. Some of them were not against the best competition. I'll bring up Nebraska uh, and Northwestern in particular. Iodesumo won them those games. He was the best closer in college basketball, and he single handedly carried them to a lot of those wins. He was their offense in not just those games, but in, in a lot of games. You lose that, let's say Illinois, instead of going 15 and two down the stretch, goes 11 and six. Are we talking about them the same kind of way going into this year and that core the same kind of way? I don't think so. And, and Asumu was the reason why, and he's not there anymore. And, and they're trying to supplement their depth with some transfers, um, guys who we don't know what they can, if they can fill the roles they're going to be asked to fill on a consistent basis. They have not done that at, at their previous stops. There are going to be some lower rated freshmen in that rotation as well. Again, Illinois is going to be a good team. They're going to finish you know, top four, top five in the big 10. Um, but there is not the top end ability we saw from them last year that made them special. And a lot of people are still treating them like that's there. If we're talking about small sample sizes, which, which I will agree, a lot of the UCLA optimism is based on a small sample size in a high pressure situation. Mm-hmm. Every 
piece of optimism about Illinois' ability to, to lose to Sunmu and be a top 15 team is based on a three-game sample size. They beat Michigan without him. Obviously, that means they can beat everybody. With forgetting the fact that Sunmu was essentially what Juzang was in the tournament yes. for a lot of their wins, which was exactly unable to miss down the stretch, carried them on his shoulders, and he really was what got Coburn going. And so you lose that. I do think they still have one of they're probably the third best guard forward combo in the big 10, maybe the second best um, Purdue's better. Uh, Michigan's probably better. has probably a better combo as well. Uh, there's questions about Ohio state. Mm. Okay. But I, I just, you really need someone to be that Desumo Cause I don't see anybody I don't see Coburn taking over games like that. Um, Curbelo probably has to do it. And, and I, as for as good a point guard as I think he's going to be, and for as good as I think he's going to compliment guys like Demonte Williams, guys like Trent Frazier, mm-hmm. he's the only one that I could see stepping into that role. And I don't know if he's going to, and I still think they're going to be really good, but there's good they are going to lose more of those tight games than they did last year based purely on the fact that they don't have that one guy who, when push comes to shove, can make nine out of 10 baskets to end the game. The sumo was top 85 in the country in usage rate, shot rate, and assist rate. Yep. And you have to replace that. And Corbello can, but then who's replacing who Corbello was last year? Right? Like you don't you don't have that guy. So there to me, there are a lot of questions that still need to be answered about this team. It's not to say they can't be a top 15 team, a, even a top 10 team. You know, I don't see it though. No. Illinois fans, though, are convinced they're winning the national championship. Um, the other part of, of this next five that I find interesting is Memphis checking in at number 12 and Houston at number 15. Um just looking at them individually, I, I think Memphis is a little low. I have them in the top 10. I think they're number seven or number eight. Um, in my personal rankings, I think you have them in the same spot because we are the two highest uh, members of Heat Check CDB on Memphis. Um, so I'm curious to hear your take on them being outside the top 10, but also them being ranked three spots ahead of a Houston team who has run the American the last couple of years and is coming off a of Final Four berth. Yeah, I, I don't have anything – against Memphis being outside the top 10. Um, I think it's curious that Duke is ahead of them. Um, whether, whether you want it to be because it's coach K's last year or because Duke has a projected probably, probably the favorite to be the number one overall draft pick. Um, fine. Uh, and I don't, I mean, you and I were the two that chose Memphis to win the American, um, in our preview. But um, I think the bigger question for me is Houston and Alabama seem really low. Yeah. And I think that's a product of Duke's really high and Illinois is really high compared to where we have them. I think you throw Baylor in there too. And Baylor's Um, pretty high. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, that, I mean, that's my biggest takeaway. I, I think two or three spots separating the two is perfectly fine. They're going to be one of the best hottest races in, in the country in terms of conference championship races. Um, I just, Houston at 15, when you look at it in a vacuum to me, seems really low. Um, mm-hmm. And, and you, 
you pointed, I mean, you pointed it out. It is Illinois, Duke, and Baylor being ahead of them. Baylor, I don't have as big an issue with. They're going to get the national championship winner, benefit of the doubt. Um, Duke's They're replacing get, a lot, though. Like, like, they are replacing like Butler, a lot. But we, we went through this with a Big 12 podcast, but like Butler, uh, Mitchell, and Teague is a lot. They can be really and good. Vital. Who replaces them can be really good. <laughs> and Mark Vital. Whoever replaces them can be really good and still come like 50% of what, of what they did yeah. because those guys were so special. And, and Duke. And Duke, can you can give – okay, it's Coach K's last year. It's Coach K. Mm-hmm. They have a top recruiting class, one of the top recruits in the country. It, again, it comes back to that. Is Illinois better than Memphis to me? No. Is Illinois better than Oregon? No. Is Illinois better than Bama? No. Is Illinois, do I trust Illinois a bit more than I trust Samson to get this Houston team ready for a no. second week? No. No. I, I think you could probably take the teams 12, 13, 14, 15. So Memphis, Oregon, Alabama, and Houston and swap them. Like move them up to number seven and swap them with Purdue, Baylor, Duke, Kentucky, Illinois. You know, it, uh, we'll leave Kentucky out of that, but you could like swap those groups. And I think I'd feel yeah. more comfortable. Like more, I, I would feel that the top 25 would be more accurate uh, yeah. than what it is currently. Yeah. Back part of the, the top 20 now, uh, 16 is Arkansas, 17, Ohio State, 18, Tennessee, 19, North Carolina, 20, Florida State. I feel like all of these teams outside of Arkansas maybe are on a similar boat of having major question marks going into the season where they are teams where we know that they can play at a high level, uh, but either haven't in recent history uh, like UNC or are replacing major, I guess UNC and Tennessee from last year, or are replacing major pieces with no obvious step in candidate to do so uh, like Florida state and Ohio state. Yeah. There again, you said it behind Arkansas, those next four, if I were to look at them without knowing anything about them, just looking at the rosters, they'd all be in the same boat to me, mm-hmm. which is then why I question why they, you have to then think, especially given the points that the voters, I, the voters have to think that Florida state's roster is, is bad, not bad, but is, is a clear step behind them mm-hmm. because there's no way that you're not giving Leonard Hamilton the benefit of the doubt. No over the other three coaches and to have them what a full 200 points behind the other three, which equates to what at least a spot on average. Yeah. It's it's interesting. I I think part of that goes into the brand names, Ohio state, what Tennessee has become under Rick Barnes and UNC. Um, And also, I mean, Florida state is losing four of their top five or six scorers. But, yeah. you know, they're a team that goes 10-11 deep and is pretty good, you know, a five-star freshman and has multiple seven-footers. It is – they're very much the Florida State DNA. Um, yeah. You know, I, we, we talked about this the last couple of years where Leonard Hamilton and Florida State should be that team that you rank, you pencil in, and then move them up two spots or three spots in your rankings because you know Leonard Hamilton is going to have them playing better than you think he's going to have them playing. Right. Um, I think voters forgot to do that last part where they moved them, where they moved them up a couple spots. Yeah. The back half, the last five of this, like back half, the last five of this is 
Interesting. They 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 took my advice. Virginia is number twenty five. Virginia is number twenty five. That is another one of those uh, token. Tony Bennett will figure it out. We don't want to look stupid for not ranking Virginia when they undoubtedly win the ACC. Um, they're in there. I'm happy UConn's at number twenty four. I'm happy St. Bonaventure's at number twenty three. I, I think that's warranted for both of those programs. I noticed you're not happy about number twenty one and twenty two. But Maryland at number twenty one. A Maryland team that received zero votes in the heat check preseason top 25. And Auburn, who I could see that before Alan Flanagan got hurt. But Alan Flanagan is going to miss a couple months. To have them at 21 and 22 is puzzling. It, it would be interesting. It's an interesting thought experiment. If, if Maryland gets all their transfers in July, are they ranked? No, like, do I you was, think part of this is the fact that we all were on the Maryland is a top five, 10 team bandwagon and then everyone else started getting transfers? Potentially. I mean, there there is a good batch of voters in this who cover both college football and college basketball. Maryland won the offseason part before college football really kicked into gear, you know? So maybe they're like, oh, yeah, Maryland was really good and then forgot about basketball for a little bit. Yeah, I mean – you're right. Uh, I could see both of these things being accurate or, or acceptable in before the NBA draft deadline mm-hmm. going into July, but, and, and it's tough because other than Virginia tech, there's not really a team that's missing where I'm really upset that they're not there. There's a bunch that I think probably deserve to be above mm-hmm. Maryland and Auburn, um, I think St. Bonaventure and UConn both deserve to be above yes, those two. Um, but I think Virginia Tech's really the only team that I would consider a true snub from the top 25. Mm-hmm. And even then, it's like I had them at 22. So I still had them in that kind of – that I rank my top 20 and then I just kind of go from there. Yeah. like uh, Michigan State fans, uh, they're number 26. Uh, you know, I, I think – are a little um, upset that they're not ranked. Same thing with Indiana fans, so number 27. And I get that to an extent, um, but both of those programs and teams have major question marks and major holes to where, obviously, you know, they're there. There was no obvious slam dunk. To me, Virginia Tech felt like a slam dunk. You know, you could make a case for USC. You could make a case for Arizona. Um, I feel like I could make a really strong case for teams like Oklahoma State or, um, or Colorado State being included in there. Um, the good news is though that you know a weekend in the season is going to be a new poll. Um, the bottom five of this, to your point, kind of generally tends to be a coin flip for a lot of teams, and we've talked about it where there, at least as of right now, there does not seem to be a whole lot of difference between teams number twenty-one and teams number thirty-five. They're all they're all pretty much on the same plane or in the same tier. Uh, that said, Maryland and Auburn are not at the top of that tier. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, and there's you look further down. Obviously, there were some questionable votes. Um, the main one that sticks out to me is Rutgers getting eleven. I think um, Rutgers is under is is underrated. Like I know have Miles Johnson and Jacob Young, but they still bring back some some good pieces. But are they like? I just I can't see them being like a top twenty five team. And there's other team Notre Dame. I don't think it's a top 25 team. No. Well, um, no. 
and a lot of these mid majors, it's like, okay, they get a, a token a mm-hmm. vote. Right. But I just, Rutgers to me is, is kind of in the same boat as a, a couple of other teams where it's like, I just, I just don't know if like which Rutgers is the real Rutgers. And yeah. I have, I have trouble having them in my top 25 because of that. And the fact that they had 11, uh, either means that 11 different voters thought they were a top 25 team or a couple of voters thought that they were more than a Virginia token 25. I, I think Rutgers will finish ahead of um, Indiana and potentially even Maryland in the big 10. I, I don't think Rutgers is the 21st best team in the country. I would not rank Rutgers, yeah. but I also would not rank Indiana or certainly would not rank Maryland 21st, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, there are a couple teams in here. BYU getting three first place votes um, is nice. You look at WCC, you know, for Gonzaga being the top spot, BYU is going to be good. St. Mary's is going to be good. Ken Palm's conference rankings, this at least preseason wise, this is the first year where the WCC has been the top non power six conference. They checked in at number seven in Ken Palm's preseason conference rankings. Gonzaga's carrying a lot of that. Uh, and, you know, they're the number one again, and we can dive into them a little bit here, but I'm more interested in the strength of the depth behind them. You know, BYU got some votes, should be pretty good. St. Mary's, typically one of the better mid-majors in the country. You got programs like San Francisco and uh, Loyola Marymount really coming on. Gonzaga will probably still walk through the conference because that's what Gonzaga does. But I'd be careful from an outside perspective to think that's more about the WCC than Gonzaga, because I think Gonzaga's dominance will say more about Gonzaga and not how good the WCC is, because the conference is going to be pretty solid this year. Yeah, I, the, this is the first time where I can remember basically every WCC team moving in the right direction mm-hmm. um, from a team strength perspective. The only team that really does take a clear step back is Pepperdine. And you're going to do that when you lose Colby Ross and, yeah. and Kessler Edwards. Yeah. But um, every other team in some way, shape or form is moving forward. I think Portland might finish as a top 300 team this year, which I know not fantastic, wow. <laughs> but compared to where Portland was the past five mm-hmm. years, a top 300 finish is great. Um, <laughs> San Francisco, St. Mary's, LMU, I, at least one of them, if not two, are going to be in the bubble conversation heading into early February. Um, mm-hmm. And possibly all three. It depends on how they perform in, in, the, early, in the early season, um, in the non-conference. And you're excluding BYU from that trio because you think BYU is, is it. Oh, I have BYU as a top 25 team. Okay. I, I think the reason why you would, the reason why people are, are not as high on them is they lose some of their name value, right? They, they lose a, a Matt Harms. Um, they look at what Brandon Averett gave them and they say, oh, they're losing a ton. All they bring back is Alec Bar- uh, Barcelo. Mm-hmm. And no, I think Caleb Lohner is going to be a name similar to a Kessler Edwards last year or similar to a Malik Fitz two years ago that like when you, when you look at him at the end of the season compared to Barcelo, you're going to be saying, Oh, why weren't we paying attention to this guy? 
mm-hmm. um, because he's going, he is a strong kind of probably a small ball four, um, but he has the strength to compete with any four, three or four in the country. Um, very good on defense. He didn't get a ton of opportunities on offense to, to start last year, but um, very efficient when he did. And, you know, if he's your number two or three option, depending on where Tejan Lucas fits in and a couple of others, I mean, you're going to be perfectly happy as BYU. And Mark Pope has, awesome coach. has earned respect yep. to, to the point where I, I think BYU, I mean, they might not wear what they were they last year, a six seed. Um, they might not be a six seed, uh, but mm-hmm. they, they'll be in that seven, eight, nine range for sure. And I don't think that that there's going to be heading into February. I don't think people are going to be looking at BYU as are they a tournament team so much as where where are they going to be seated? But St. Mary's, um, if they're shooting, can can regress back to the mean, and mm-hmm. they don't go through the issues they went through last year in terms of actually putting a team on the floor. Um, San Francisco, I have the biggest worry about just because. We hear all this talk about how great of a coach Todd Golden is um, and his ability to game plan for Gonzaga, but then they go ahead and they lose to a Pacific or lose very, to very a, uh, yeah, a Santa Clara. Um, LMU is going to be everyone's favorite to break into the, the top three. They finished top three last year. Uh, but again, I, I just trust Randy Bennett to have St. Mary's given a full season without any stoppages, a full preseason, um, hopefully nobody going out due to injury. I, I, I think they'll be third, but LMU is going to be a great team. And even Santa Clara, um, Frankich is one of the best forwards in, in the WCC. Uh, they're not going to be a bubble team, but they're going to be a team that when given the opportunity to play any of those two through uh, five teams can give them a run. Um, and Pacific, I don't think they're going to, they're, they're, they are losing a very good coach. Mm-hmm. in Dana Stoudemire. Yes. But Leonard Perry did a lot of the encore coaching for, for Pacific. Uh, I trust him. I think that the fact that he's going to continue the culture, they're keeping a lot of their key players. Um, I think that Pacific's going to be, again, back half, but not not quite as bad as people think they might be. And, and San Diego, again, same thing with St. Mary's, just at a back half of the WCC level. Um, they got hit the hardest almost I probably of any team last year, um, maybe outside of New Mexico state. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I think they're going to be not good, not great, but they're, they're, they're going to be better than they were last year. So Tim miles coming in, re- rebuilding the program. That's San Jose state. Oh, trying. Sorry. That's, that's our next segment. <laughs> Sorry, I'm sitting here looking at the Mountain West standings and San Jose State yelling at me in the face. San Jose State, San Diego, same same position. Well, San Jose State might be a little bit more, more a little bit closer to, to Portland than they are to San Diego, but I can see. But that's the next segment, Brian. <sighs> now they still have Sam Scholl down in San Diego. Um, last year was his, for now. Yeah. <laughs> Um, last year was his first or second full year. So, uh, no, I, I think San Diego is going to be fine. They bring in a couple of quality, uh, transfers. So they're going to be in the same boat as Pacific, same boat as Pepperdine. They're going to be teams that you're not really worried about, or you're not really worried about finishing high in the rankings, but 
anyone behind Gonzaga and BYU has to be worried about them. Um, they can't just look past them when game planning. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. You're looking at out Mountain West stuff. I, the WCC, I, I think, should finally get the credit that a lot of us college basketball people have been giving it the last couple of years, where I think they get at least three teams in the tournament. Oh, I do too. Sure. I, I think, well, I'll say this. If all three of LMU, San Francisco, and St. Mary's perform well in the non-conference, then I think they get at least one more. Um, I think if you get to a point where one or two of them fall off in the non-conference and then they're all competitive with each other yeah. in conference, then you're going <clears> to <throat> kind of poison the, 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 the waters. So then you might not, but I, but I think that's going to be solid competition and yeah, they're, they're a conference that I could see getting three teams into the tournament. I'd love, I'd love to see four from the aspect of, I'd love to see St. Mary's and then either San Francisco or Loyola Marymount get in. Um, I think that would be warranted, but I, I think only one of that trio we've talked about with St. Mary, San Francisco, and LMU is going to get in, and I think it's going to come down to who beats Gonzaga. I think it comes down to who beats BYU. Um, I think Gonzaga, if they're going to lose a game, it's going to be in Marriott uh, against BYU. I think if one of these teams can – because I, I do think there's also a clear gap between BYU and the rest of this conference. Um, maybe not, not as – I mean, obviously not as large as Gonzaga – but there is a clear gap. And so you're going to have to catch BYU in your house where they're not ready. Um, and I think if you get a game against BYU and then go three and one or two and two against the rest of that group and don't lose a game against a San Diego or, or Pacific, then you're mm-hmm. in. Um, I don't think it, you, it has to be a win against Gonzaga, but I think a win against Gonzaga and and a really solid resume otherwise certainly almost guarantees that that you're in. I I I say that because I think all of them will have at least one kind of questionable loss to a team maybe in the middle to bottom half of the WCC and that Gonzaga win will more than offset that. Uh, San Francisco would be the the team I would go with. That's my bold prediction for the conference is that San Francisco makes the tournament this year along with Gonzaga winning the national championship. Um, but I think San Francisco, to your point about Todd Golden and them kind of being hot and cold, they're the most well-equipped to do it for that reason. And I do think they the hot and cold trend might continue. I don't think the dips are going to be as low. Um, so they might suffer one of those kind of questionable losses, but I'm, I would say I'll, I'll pick them to beat Gonzaga once. And I, I think that'd be more than enough to get them over the hump, or at least put them in the first four in the committee's mind. Yeah, if I were to pick one, it would be St. Mary's. Um, I think because Randy Bennett has has done it, mm-hmm. um, they they probably have the third best roster, but they have the shooting and their defense and the way they play, the pace at which they play um, is. I mean it it's kind of like Virginia. They slow yeah. the game down and just force you to score on them. Uh, but they also have starting in December at Utah state at Colorado state, they host UC Santa Barbara. They go on the road against San Diego state and then they play Yale in December. And I think they have Missouri state in there as well. Um, 
But uh, I mean, that schedule, if you come out of that and you've beaten Yale and UC Santa Barbara and Utah State, and then you take one of the two on the road against Colorado State or or San Diego State, and you don't pick up a win against Gonzaga, but you've beaten BYU at home. And like St. Mary's has the capability. I think they finish third in the WCC. And on top of that, I do think they come out pretty nicely in terms of their overall resume to the point where they could get blown out twice by Gonzaga and still make it where the other two LMU and San Francisco, I agree with you. I think have to beat Gonzaga to get in. The St. Mary's brand too has enough cachet where I think if their resume is competitive, they have a much better shot than a San Francisco or LMU does before we move on to the mountain West, um, which it's the home of Tim Miles in San Jose State. Give me your give me your bold prediction for the WCC. Bold prediction. Um, I gave you mine. I told you I think San Francisco finishes third, makes the tournament, and Gonzaga wins the national championship. Okay. I think Pacific breaks into the top five. Ooh. I I I don't trust. I have San Francisco fifth. I don't trust San Francisco. And if that's just a general rule to live by is not trusting San Francisco. (laughs) And if there's one thing I've learned, like, I don't think that the coaching shift is going to be as dramatic. And if there's one thing I've learned about Pacific and the way the roster was constructed under Damon Stoudemire, it's that they're tough and they win games. They should not. Mm -hmm. And they have those same players. So when I'm looking at it, I think they finish ahead of everyone else outside of the top six. Um, I do think that they probably finish ahead of San, San, Santa Clara. And I'm going to pick San Francisco. I think San Francisco finishes outside the top five. Okay. I just, I, I can't We're get battling on the, on the every, Everyone's on that Todd golden train. I just, I just can't, they're a talented team filled with players that we know did well in the Ivy league. I just can't get on that train. Okay, that's that's fair enough. We'll move on to the Mountain West now. Um, this is another conference that should get multiple, probably three bids for the NCAA tournament. I think that, that's what I'm looking at here. You got a really clear, I think, top five, all of whom should be pretty competitive. With San Diego State, Nevada, Colorado State, Boise State, and Utah State, all the states. Um, it's a conference that's strong, uh, number nine in the Ken Palm preseason rankings, right above excuse me, right above the A-10. Um, I really, really like Colorado State in this group. I mentioned them. I think they're a top 25 caliber team. They bring back over 90% of their production from a team that had they played any semblance of non-conference last year, which again, they really could not because of COVID. I think they would have been, had the resume to make the NCAA tournament. Um, San Diego State obviously is going to be really good. They bring in Matt Bradley from Cal, one of the Pac-12's better players, uh, is, is now going to be starring for San Diego State. Nevada um, really came on strong last year. I, I think those three will all make the tournament, and I'm really excited to see the race between them at the top. But didn't you read that one place where they said that Nevada doesn't have a star? <sighs> yeah, that was um, – Was it Norland? Or? that publication? <laughs> no, Nevada – Nevada has the best player. Well, okay. Has the best offensive player weapon in the conference, I think, in Grant Sherfield. Yes. Um, Matt, Matt Bradley for me is probably the best all-around player 
in the conference mm-hmm. um, on both ends of the floor. But Sherfield's going to light up a scoreboard. But I agree with you. Colorado State. Um, no Rams. They are, they are going to be really good. Um, I am the one uh, heat check uh, writer, I believe, that put them as the disappointing team. Yes, I put them as a surprise team. Yeah, I think that we're going to talk them up a ton and they're going to finish outside the top 30. They're going to be a tournament team, but they're not. I mean, I we'll get to it in both predictions, but I just, I think they're going to be a very solid team. Um, they're definitely the most certain of all the teams in the Mountain West to be a tournament caliber team. I just don't know. I'm just, I'm just not on the same train as you in terms of them being a potential top 25 team. You have just heard me talk them up too much that I think you're sick of it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm scared after the Florida and the. My track record is not great. (laughs) My track record has not been great in the last couple of years. Um, I I did tell you though, the last year Gonzaga was going to lose one game. You did. And I think you did say it was going to be against Baylor, but I just, I think you meant the December game. They were going to lose one and win the national championship. I could only, Got down the end. I can only get one of the half of that right. Um, yeah, I think they're going to be really a really good team. Uh, again, they've improved every year under Nico Medved, particularly defensively. That was um, one of the real calling cards last year. They're also at one point. I can't remember if they ended the season this way, but they were the only Mountain West team that beat the other top Mountain West teams. Like they had a win over Boise, had a win over Utah State, um, beat San Diego State. There were four of those teams that were vying for NCAA tournament bids, and Colorado State, I think, was the only one that beat all of the others. I believe that's true. Um, yeah. It, it was at least at the start of February. Yeah. Because I wrote about it in a Ralph report um, that will, will be coming soon back to heatchecksubb.com once we get a little closer to the season. Um, obviously, this year's a different year, but but that gives me a lot of confidence that they can continue playing at a high level, particularly with, with the team, the other good teams they'll play in the rest of the in-conference. And the non-conference schedule this year is pretty good. They opened the season with Oral Roberts, um, which is a game I think they should win because Oral Roberts has all of the cachet and name brand from last season's tournament run, but I think they're going to be a little worse this year, given Kevin O'Banner's gone. Uh, but Ace is still there. Then, start December, they go Home against St. Mary's, neutral against Mississippi State, neutral against Tulsa, and then neutral but really a road game against Alabama. That stretch, I think, will tell us if they are top 25 caliber or more of a bubble team. Um, I think they probably go 3-1 and one in that stretch, that loss being Alabama. Um, but to me, if you're Colorado State, that's the stretch I'm looking at where I can really prove myself. Yeah. Outside of that, two teams that were in the top group last year, Boise State and Utah State, mentioned them before. I think they're still a tier ahead of, of the rest of the conference, a gap behind them. But I also think there's a gap between them and those top three teams. Boise State has talent, couldn't really put it all together last year. Um, Utah State going through a coaching change, uh, some question marks there. Do you expect either of those programs to – really make some noise on a national stage this season? I think it's hard. It's difficult for me to expect it. Um, 
I do think of those two teams, Boise State has more room for optimism from the fans. Mm-hmm. Um, especially given the fact that I don't think we ever really saw that backcourt come together yeah. to, to the best, uh, to, you know, to its best capabilities. Um, I don't know if they ever will, but uh, they have Dutrieve, Shaver, and ACOT. Um, I think if they're all playing at their ceiling, Boise State could be a fourth or a third. They could knock Nevada out of NCAA contention and then take that spot. But no, I, I don't think I don't think it's unfair to say that there's a clear gap based on what we know and what we've seen from the players that are there um, to say that those two teams are clearly behind the top three um, and clearly ahead of the rest of the teams. Uh, I just I I have more hope, I guess, with Boise State, where with Utah State, it's you know you've lost your head coach, um, you've lost some key contributors. You do have quite a few good players. You have Justin Bean, um, Brock Miller. Like you have a, a bunch of good yeah. players coming back. It's just I don't know if they have the juice um, to get it done. Where with, with Boise State, I think we know we know enough about the coach. We know enough about the, the players to really go in with the mindset that if if they it all clicks, they can get there. I th- I'm with you. I think I'm with you. Um, the rest of the conference is, isn't necessarily all that strong. I, I think UNLV could surprise some people. Um, they've done a good job really overhauling their roster this offseason with transfers. Top end top, compete with the top five isn't there. We've been waiting on Fresno State. Feels like to put it together for the last couple of years, and it hasn't happened. Uh, I'm not going to say they can't crack that top five, top four. But I don't, I don't see it happening. Um, and then, you know, Richard Pertino is rebuilding New Mexico. They're, they're not going to be, uh, I think, of relevance this year. Same thing with Air Force in Wyoming. And then, of course, Tim Miles is going to lead San Jose State to maybe a conference winner too. <laughs> oh, it's it's going to be fun. It's going to be great. Um, I'm going to try my best to make it to, to at least one or two games uh, down in the South Bay. We got to do it. I am so excited for Tim Miles to be in the Bay Area. Um, it really, I mean, really what San Jose State needs is, I mean, as much as they need players to make themselves competitive, they need a coach that that's going to be out there and, and able to get fans in the stands. and Energetic. And Tim Miles is that coach. Um, Once the fans start paying attention and you get the buy-in from from the community, because the Bay Area is a basketball area. I mean, it's, you know, you've got the Warriors there. You, um, Cal, I mean, as bad as Cal has been, like people still go to Cal games. Um, So I think once, you know, St. Mary's has a small fan base, um, people go to Santa Clara games they they go to the hilltop to go to san francisco games so i mean if you get buy-in from the south bay residents san, san, uh, san jose residents i mean it's it's gonna be a fun time but again yeah two two games three games will be a smashing success i think this season yeah. um but i'm really excited for unlb kevin Kruger in his first year um if if he can deliver on the roster that they've put together mm-hmm. um 
I would throw them up in that same category with Boise State and Utah State. Um, really? We don't know if he can deliver. I, I'll caveat that. But I think that they, they are closer than anyone else to breaking into that second tier. Yes, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, where like Boise State, I forgot to mention, oh no, Utah State um, is there. They've lost quite a bit. They bring in Ryland Jones. Boise State, we don't know. Like UNLV, we don't know, but they could they could have the potential to break into that second tier. I don't really see any of the other teams doing it. So give me your bold prediction as we wrap out, wrap up the Mountain West Conference. Well, it's not even bold. I just feel like I'm contrarian to everyone else. I, I have San, San Diego State winning the conference. I, I think that's expected, but yeah, considering I've been um, banging the table for Colorado State being a top 25, top 20 <laughs> team. I'm trying yeah. to, you give me your bold prediction. I'll, I'll come up with one. That, Colorado State's a, a top 20 team, top 25 team that wins an NCAA tournament game. And the conference gets three bids. Okay. Um, oh, I mean, again, is it bold to say that San Jose State doesn't finish last? We'll take it. Yeah, I think that is accepted. They, I, I, yeah, I think they finish ninth or tenth. Um, I think they finish ahead of Air Force. I think they finish ahead of Air Force, and I think that you're going to see either Wyoming or New Mexico. Um, <laughs> fall far enough down. I think they finish. I'll take them. San Jose state is going to finish ninth in the mountain West. Okay. All right. We support the troops, but you're going to finish last in the mountain West. Sorry about it. You are, however, always going to be the deepest team in college basketball. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you very much for listening to this episode of hope and Ralph presented by heat check CBB. We'll be back next week. Uh, we've got to preview the pac 12. That is our, our last big conference to, to really touch on. Um, but today with the AP poll coming out, wanted to make sure we got that in uh, and gave some love to the Mountain West uh, and WCC as well because those are high-quality conferences and should be this year and uh, should be treated as such. For my co-host, Connor Hope, I'm Brian Ralph. Thank you very much for listening. We'll talk to you again next time. Basketball, basketball, college. Basketball, basketball, college. Oh, basketball, college. Basketball, basketball, college. Oh. Basketball, basketball, college. Oh. Whoa, basketball, college.